I tell you what, that's the only part of the song that I knew. Press play. I heard that all week. So uh, awesome to have your kids with us this week. Those of you that were able to be here for kids camp and a bunch of teenagers uh, serving this week, a bunch of middle school and high school students. Uh, man, so awesome to have you guys serving in that capacity. And then for each of those students that serves, uh, we apply money towards their mission trip. And so we have a mission trip that uh, originally we were planning for some stuff this summer, but due to just all of the uh, uncertainty with um, COVID in this last season. And then we had a, an interim uh, period of time where we were without a youth pastor. So just the planning of that, uh, we're going to shift that mission trip to this coming spring. So each and every one of those middle school and high school students that were able to participate in serving will have money given towards that mission trip already. So really, really cool things happening. And then uh, I want to let you know, before we jump into the talk here, a couple of things. One is um, our next water baptism is coming up on July 18th. If you would uh, want to participate in that, we would love to have you be a part of that. And you can just check that right on your connection card. And that's a great way for us to celebrate the change that Jesus has made in your life. And we do that together uh, with the church, rest of the church family. And uh, we'd love to celebrate that with you. So today we're in a, a series called um, Summer Playlist. And Summer Playlist is different voices speaking throughout the summer. Uh, I've spoken a couple. Last week it was awesome to have Eli, one of our other pastors, speaking. And uh, Eli is going to be back next week for 4th of July. And then the week after that, my buddy Skyler is coming from Chicago. Uh, I love when Skyler is with us. He is literally one of the funniest people I've ever met in my life. And uh, he, it's always great when he's with us. And then... Um, after that, we have uh, John Alexander, who speaks here regularly. Uh, his wife, Emily, is going to be speaking the following weekend. And then we have Ryan Eli speaking, a friend who's spoken here many times, as well as uh, Dave Nelson the week after that. So uh, lots of uh, great uh, voices coming at us over the next several weeks. But for today, you're stuck with me. So uh, I want to let you know that... Um, I talked last week about this bike ride that we were doing, and uh, I, I just want to give you the update on that because today is the last day to sign up. Registration closes at midnight tonight. So if you've been thinking about it, if you've been on the fence, let me just inspire you to jump into this thing. And here's why. Last Saturday, I did six miles. I thought I was going to die. I, I legit thought there's no way anybody is finishing 100 miles. I don't know how, it's, I don't think it's humanly possible. I think you all lied last year. I don't think it happened. I think you drove cars. And uh, so, <laughs> so I did six miles. I on Monday, I went out for again, again for another ride, and I went 13 miles. On Wednesday, I went for another ride. I went 21 miles. And on Friday, I went 31 miles. And then the thought hit me, we have to do that three and a half times. <laughs> so I, I don't know. So I can tell you, on Friday when we did it, we were with a group of guys. I was doing the other rides on my own. And then with a group of guys, 31 miles felt a lot better than 13 miles by myself. And so if you've been on the fence and you've been thinking about it, here's the only caution I want to give you, but this is not an insurmountable thing. Uh, we're riding bikes where you kind of clip in your pedals into the, the cleats, into the pedals. And if you've never done that before, I would just suggest that you practice. That's all. Because your natural instinct, if you've ever ridden a bike before, is when you stop, you just step your foot off. And when you're clipped in and you just step your foot off, it doesn't go so well. And there's a brief moment in there that I experienced several times this last week where you know that you, it's too late for you to take your foot off the pedal. But there's also like time slows down and you know this is it and I missed that window to pull my foot off the pedal. And there's nothing I can do about it now except brace for impact. And so, 
I got to an intersection and, uh, and I just went to stop like I normally would on a bike. If you were riding a normal bike, this is not a normal bike. And I went, oh, here we go. And, and I think I locked eyes with this lady who was stopped at the intersection and you could see the, just the concern on her face. And I was just like, ooh. <laughs> and so she pulled around and pulled her. She's like, are you okay? And I was like, please just move on. Just go. I was fine before you stopped, but now I'm just super embarrassed. So. So if we could all just keep that between us, that'd be great. But uh, I want to encourage you, though, it really is, uh, it, it is such a great cause. And we've already raised tons of money for this. And uh, we've got a big goal. And if you've been on the fence and it's something you want to do, uh, I want to j- encourage you to jump in because it's going to be a lot of fun. And I've got to be honest, my, my worries about it are starting to alleviate a little bit. And um, today we're talking about worry. So let me give you a couple of thoughts about worry as we jump into this topic today. Right off the bat, write this down. Everybody worries about something. Everybody worries about something. When you think about worry and you think about the things that we do worry about, uh, for many of us, it's big life-altering events that feel like a 45-pound weight on our shoulders. It's, it's really big things that, that cause the trajectory of life to actually shift. And for some of us, we've experienced some of those things. Uh, some of you joining us on our online campus, you've experienced some of those things. Where all of a sudden you're walking out of your job with your box full of stuff because you're no longer employed. That's a big life-shifting sort of trajectory. Or you're, you're signing the divorce papers or you're signing the, the, the bankruptcy document. Those are big weights, and you feel that immediately, and immediately you worry about the future. You worry what's going to happen. And so all of those things, are, uh, those are a big deal. But then you, you also have people who you, uh, maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you found out a, a family member has been abused, or the doctor says, hey, it's going to be difficult for you to conceive. And those are really big, life-altering sort of things, and you worry about the future, and it causes you to worry, and it causes you to maybe even obsess a little bit about all of the what-ifs. And I don't want to downplay any of those things because those are really big, life-altering shifts that take place in our lives that cause massive worry. And they feel like big weights. But for many of us, it's not the big things, it's the little things. It's, it's death by a thousand paper cuts. It's, it's just the little tiny one and two pound weights every day that sort of add up and add up and add up. And pretty soon we're, we're worried and we can't even point to one specific thing and we don't even know why. It's just that we've, we're anxious In fact, psychologists call it stress contamination. You can't point to any one thing. It's just that you've got this constantly ringing phone and a fussy child and overdue bills and the car breaks down and you got a speeding ticket and the guy in the cubicle next to you is so annoying. And, you know, it's just just all these things that just kind of add up, right? And your email inbox is overflowing and you can't seem to keep up. and, And pretty soon you're just anxious and you're worried. And over the last year, over the last 18 months, we've as a culture and probably even as a world, but really as, as an American culture, we've added a lot more worry to our plates than we ever had before. We have uh, this whole season over the last 18 months called COVID, and we're worried about our health, and we're worried about the health of our family, and we're worried about the health of our loved ones. And then there's all of this uh, social pressure and uh, sort of image management that goes along with that. We're worried how will be perceived in the eyes of other people because we don't want to do the wrong thing or say the wrong thing. And then uh, you throw on top of that all of this concern with what I would call um, political chaos. Is that a good word? <laughs> and so that, that causes us concern because we're worried and we go, well, what if, 
what if this happens? Or what if, you know, regardless of where you stand politically, what if my sort of political party isn't in power or isn't being represented? Or what if uh, the economy collapses? What if this happens? What if that decision is made? And that causes us worry and concern. And, and then we have all of the subtle concerns over, again, all of the, the image management that goes on with all of that. And all of this is worrisome. And your body is created to handle worry in certain degrees. And when certain stressful situations pop up, your, your adrenal gland kicks in and actually produces hormones that help you get through it. But you were not designed to live like that 24-7. So everybody worries about something. And the reason that I know that is true because of, is because of the vast number of books that are being written about how to deal with worry. And the reason that so many books are being written on how to deal with worry is because they keep being purchased. And the reason they keep being purchased is because so many people worry. Everybody worries about something. Now, worrying about things that you're concerned about is a human emotion. It's natural. So I don't want you to think this is a talk that's like, how dare you worry? Where's your faith? Just trust God. Uh, let's close in prayer. Okay, that's not what I'm saying. But I think it's important for us to understand it's a natural emotion. But here's another truth about worry. We can't control our feelings, only our response. You're going to worry. You're going to have feelings that, uh, that hit you, emotions that hit you, that you're concerned about things that you are concerned about. What we can control is how we respond when worry comes up. And so today, what we're going to look at is what Jesus teaches specifically about this topic of worry. And the point of Jesus' teaching is not that you should feel guilty or unspiritual when you experience the emotion of worry. Jesus' teaching is about how to respond when worry comes your way. It's practical advice on how to respond that drives his words forward. And it's important to make that distinction. Otherwise, we're going to be tempted to think that somehow Jesus doesn't understand how we feel. But he does. So his, his instruction to us is not, you should feel guilty or unspiritual when worry happens. His instruction to us is, here's how you respond when worry comes your way. And so here's what Jesus taught. Number one, our priorities are reversed. Our priorities are reversed. Let's talk about that for a minute. Here's the reality. You are most worried about the things that you are most devoted to. Whatever it is that you're most devoted to, that's what you worry about the most. It's what you give most of your concern to. So you're, if you're most devoted to your spouse and your kids and the things in your life that you're most devoted to, those are the things that you are emotionally attached to. Those are the things you make a priority in your life. Now, we don't often associate worry in that way, but when we really boil it down, that's what it is. In, in other words, think about it like this. I have never, ever worried about your job. Never. Not one time. I, I hope you love your job. I hope it works out for you. I'm not devoted to your job, so I've never worried about your job. I've never once worried about your kids' grades. I'm not devoted to making sure that your kids get good grades, so I've never worried about it. I'm not devoted. I've, I've never once worried about your retirement. Now, I hope it works out. I hope you have plenty to retire on. I hope you have millions. But I've never worried about your retirement because I've never been devoted to making sure that you have enough to live on when you retire. And so my worries are most closely tied to the things that I'm devoted to. I'm worried about my spouse. I'm worried about my kids. I'm worried about my retirement. I'm not, I'm not worried about your retirement. I'm more devoted to those things in my life. And so you tend to worry about the things you're devoted to. I tend to worry about the things I'm devoted to. And my worries are most closely tied to my own priorities. And the reason that I get worried and anxious is because my priorities get reversed. Here's the way Jesus says it. 
He says in Matthew chapter 6, he's giving this teaching, and he says, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, I want to be really clear. This isn't a talk about money. This is a talk about worry. This is a talk about stress and the things that we worry about. And Jesus simply uses money as an example to show us that when our priorities are divided, when our priorities are reversed, it's one of the things that we tend to worry about the most and stress about the most is money. So if your number one devotion in life is to make money, then when you don't make money, you will be worried. If your number one devotion in life is to make sure that your kid becomes a world-class soccer player, when your kid does not become a world-class soccer player, you'll be worried. Whatever you are devoted to, that becomes your priority. That's what you worry about the most. And for most of us, it's not that we're not devoted to God. That's the thing. It's just that our priorities are a little bit reversed. So we are devoted to God. We want to follow God. It's just that we've got some other things in life that we're equally or more greatly devoted to because that's where we find our security. And so it's not a matter of capacity. It's a matter of priority. So think about it like this. Uh, we went on a family vacation a few months ago, and uh, I can tell you getting six people to pack their backpacks or their uh, suitcases and get them into the minivan is quite the ordeal. And especially when you say, okay, kids, load it into the minivan, and you go out there, and it's like, we can't fit it, and there's half of them in the driveway, and you go, well, look at how you're putting them in there. we got to do this differently. It's not a matter of capacity. The minivan can hold all of our suitcases. It is a matter of priority. It's a matter of what goes in first that makes all the difference. And in our lives, it's not a matter of capacity. It's not that we can't have some uh, energy committed to these things like retirement and marriage and parenting. You have to. It's a matter of priority. It's not a matter of capacity. It's a matter of priority. What gets our first devotion? And this is what Jesus is saying. As long as you're divided, as long as your priorities are reversed, it will always lead you to the value of worry because you will always worry about the thing that you're most devoted to. Money's not a bad thing, Jesus says. But he says we can't serve God and serve money at the same time to the same degree. And in the same way, he would say, we, we can't serve God and our career. We can't serve God and our retirement. We can't serve God and our spouse. We can't serve God and parenting. At, to the, at the same time, to the same degree, something has to have our primary devotion. We cannot make both of these things a priority to the same degree because when we do, we experience an inner conflict that robs us of the peace that Jesus offers. And so he starts with this idea. Don't let your priorities get reversed. And then he continues with the second teaching on worry, and he says... Our fears are unfounded. These what-ifs that we imagine, that we're trying to find security in these things in life, but the reason that we're trying to find security in these things and control these things is because we worry that if we don't, what will happen? What if? And so first Jesus says, you can't be fully devoted to God and to money, but it's not a talk about money, it's a talk about worry. And he says in the next verse, he starts to connect the dots. He says this, that's why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns.
meeting the everyday needs of his audience because Jesus' audience is a hand-to-mouth culture. They're an agricultural society. They don't have refrigeration. They don't have the internet. They don't have, you know, uh, hub grub or whatever it is, (laughs) food delivery services. They don't have any of that. Every day is a new day that they have to find food. And so for them, Jesus says, why do you worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear? Now, I have to imagine if Jesus was talking to us today, he might say this. He might say, hey, don't worry about retirement. Don't worry about whether or not you're going to be single the rest of your life. Don't worry about your career. Don't worry about your pregnancy. Don't worry about your health. Don't worry about your your industry. And you're like, don't worry, Jesus, that sounds so irresponsible. Now, here's, this is so important to understand. Jesus is not advocating irresponsibility. So the message here is not, hey, it's cool, man. Just sell everything, right? And just move into your parents' basement and set up your Lord of the Rings sword collection. (laughs) He's not saying, don't work and don't try to save for retirement and don't find a job and, and don't fall in love and get married and have kids and be responsible. He's not saying any of that. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, There is uncertainty in all of that. If you're trying to get retirement for your security, there's uncertainty in that. That can go away. If you're finding security in your marriage, in your parenting, in your career, there is uncertainty in all of that. And by you worrying and trying to control that so that you feel secure, it can go away at any time. There's uncertainty in all of these things. And we're chasing after things that we think will bring us a certain quality of life, but our very chasing is actually causing so much worry that it's robbing us of peace. So then Jesus says, well, I mean, just look at the birds. You're like, I don't want to look at the birds. I'm worried about my retirement. I'm trying to figure out what's going on in my field, in my industry here. And Jesus says, look at the birds. They don't have a 401k. They don't have a five-year plan. They didn't get a college education. They, they don't walk around and, and, and hold their kids' hands and put a helmet on them everywhere they go and make sure they don't get hurt. They build a nest as high as they can, and then they just kick them out. There's a parenting philosophy in there somewhere. Jesus goes, the birds don't even try. They, they don't have day timers. They don't use QuickBooks. They don't have a mortgage. They don't have a budget. They are so irresponsible. And yet, your Heavenly Father feeds them. And, and how much more valuable are you than they are? Do you think God cares about you more than the birds of the air? Let me help you out with that question. When you read the, creative, uh, the creation narrative in Genesis, it tells us that uh, mankind, human beings, men and women, were created in the image of God. So think about this. When God looks at humanity, he's reminded of his own image. So much so that when he sent Jesus into the world, he didn't send him as a bird or a flower. He sent him as a human. Do you think that God cares about you more than he cares about the birds of the air and the flowers of the field? And Jesus isn't saying to be irresponsible and hope it all works out. He's just saying... You can live with a certain amount of uncertainty. You can live with a a level of uncertainty about your future without living in a constant state of worry. Now, let me ask you a few questions. Do you think that by worrying, you can add a single hour to your life? Have you ever worried and thought, I'm glad I did that? That was a productive time of worrying. How many of you would say, 
If you're watching online uh, and you could answer yes to this question, just put an exclamation point in the chat. How many of you would say this? I think some of my worrying has actually cut a couple of years off of my life. Yeah. Like, uh, my cholesterol is through the roof. Like, uh, I think I, I have migraines from worrying. Is there anything more valuable to you than life itself? Think about this. Is there anything more valuable to life itself that you would gladly give your life for this? And you would probably say, well, yeah, my spouse or my kids. Some of you would say your cat. But, I mean, that's questionable. But uh, is there anything in this life that is worth more than life itself that you'd say, I would give my life for that? And for most of us, it's relationships. So let me ask you this question. Is anything that you've ever worried about, your, any time that you spent worrying, has it contributed to the thing that you value more than life itself? Has it, has it gained anything in those relationships? And here's what we all know intuitively the answer to that is no. No matter what I've worried about, it's never added one positive thing to the things that I care about more than this life. So why worry? And again, this isn't just hakuna matata, man. Right? It's, just, it's deeper than that. Jesus says it doesn't make sense to worry because it doesn't make a difference. And then he takes us to the root of it, and here's what he says. Our trust is misplaced. Our trust is misplaced. At the end of the day, our security is not found in owning enough. Our security is not found in becoming enough. Our security is not found in accomplishing enough. Our security is not found in any of those things because all of those things can be taken away. So it's not a very strong foundation to find our security in those things. And the reason we're so worried is because we've placed our security in those things and we're afraid that those things won't keep us secure. And so Jesus continues his teaching and he says, And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Jesus takes us right to the heart of the issue. The reason that we are concerned, the reason that we are anxious about the what-ifs of the future, the reason that we worry is because we have made so many things in our life a priority and we're trying to find security in things that we think we can control. If I can control my retirement, if I can control, if I, okay, then, then I'll feel secure. And Jesus reminds us that people who don't trust God are always thinking those things. And that makes sense, right? If I didn't think there was a heavenly father, if I didn't think there was someone who created me and who loves me and who already knows everything that I need, then it would only make sense that those are the things that would consume my thoughts. But Jesus says, for those of you that are believers, for those of you that are followers, why, why are you consumed? with all of the things that you think you need to make your life secure. See, here's the problem with living that way. Every time we choose to worry about tomorrow, we fail to live today. We let our fears of tomorrow take away the moment that we're in. And as you bump into people at your job, as you bump into people in your neighborhood, uh, in your PTA meeting, at your school, wherever it is, people who have the exact same worries that you do, your response should be so different that they're amazed. Because our worries are pretty common. The things that we worry about are, are pretty common. The things that you worry about are the things everybody worries about. They're common to all people. The difference is how you respond because you aren't devoted to trying to control things. You're devoted to the one who holds you when everything seems out of control. And then Jesus reminds us, our Heavenly Father knows what you need anyways. 
So in light of all that, how do we respond when worries pop up, when that emotion starts to overtake us? How do we overcome that when life starts to stack up on us? Well, number one, redirect your devotion. Whatever it is you've been devoted to, redirect your devotion. And the reason you're so worried about your everyday uncertainties is because those have become your priorities. You are most worried about the things that you're most devoted to. Those are the things that you're devoted to solving, and consequently, those are the things that you end up uh, pursuing in life. And so what if you decided, I'm going to redirect my priorities. I'm going to redirect the things that I'm devoted to, not in terms of capacity, but in terms of priority, in terms of what comes first, and redirect what you're most devoted to. Here's what Jesus says in the very next verse in this teaching. He says, but, and that's a big but, and I cannot lie. Ah, <laughs> uh, hashtag dad jokes. All right. But seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. He says, so here's all this, and throughout this section, Jesus is describing this lifestyle of chasing these things that we think will bring us peace and quality of life and security. And here in verse 33, he draws this massive contrast. He says, look, instead of chasing all of these things, which leads you to the, to the value of worry, seek first God and his way of life. Make that your first priority. Be devoted to that more than you're devoted to anything else. In other words, what you have been seeking first is the wrong thing. What you have been extremely devoted to is leading you to the value of worry. So the solution is to redirect your devotion to something entirely different than where it's been before because your devotion determines where your emotions are and your emotions determine what you worry about. Whatever that thing is that you're devoted to, that's what you end up worrying about. But what if you were primarily devoted to God and his way of living life? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first as opposed to job and retirement and money and career and family and spouse and kids and hobbies and whatever it is, all those things are important. In fact, Jesus says your heavenly Father already knows all about them, but as long as they are your primary devotion, you are going to worry. But I want to invite you into a whole different way of living life. I want to invite you into a completely different rhythm of living and being and doing life. I want to invite you to put my agenda in the world ahead of yours That's exactly why earlier in this chapter when Jesus is teaching them how to pray, he says, pray like this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He says, this is the prayer that you pray. To accept Jesus' invitation to seek his kingdom first means that you pray like this. God, I have a kingdom. I spend a lot of time trying to build that kingdom. In fact, I've told you a lot of the things that I'd like to see happen in that kingdom. But I've let you know how things, I would like things to go, but I, I just want you to know at the end of the day, I want your will and your way to be done in my life more than I want my own will and my own way. And when you make that transfer of devotion, something happens to your worry. Suddenly, okay, situations haven't changed, but God gives you peace. Peace. And we get so nervous when it comes to surrendering our life to God. Well, okay, if I pray this prayer like, God, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done, and I'm going to surrender my life to you and my kingdom to your kingdom, what if he actually says yes to that? I mean, it's one thing to pray it. It's a nice, noble prayer, right? But what if he actually takes me up on that offer? That's what we want. That's what's happening anyways. You don't have any more control over your life 
by worrying about it and trying to control what you can control than you would have if you just surrendered it to the one who created you and loves you and knows everything you need anyways. So why do we worry? See, he promises all these things will be given to you as well. Really? Yeah. All the things that you're concerned about. Jesus said, as earthly parents, as imperfect earthly parents, we know how to give good gifts to our kids. How much more will your heavenly Father, who loves you, not give you the Holy Spirit, not give you the things that you need? Not always the things that you want, not always in the way that you want, but he knows what you need before you even need it, and he promises to take care of you. You're more important than a bird. You're more important than a flower. So what have you been devoted to? What is that thing that's been uh, taking up your energy, your devotion, and have you spent your life trying to protect yourself from the what-ifs of this life? Have you spent your life trying to build your kingdom, a kingdom that, if you're honest with yourself, you don't really have control over anyways? And no matter how hard you try to control it and, and, and sort of keep away the, the what-ifs of this world, you don't have any control anyways. So why worry about it? Why live a life of worry? Why not redirect your devotion to the God who promises to then give you everything you need for your kingdom? What would that look like for you? To say, you know what? Not in terms of capacity, but in terms of priority, I'm going to put God's kingdom first. What steps would you need to take so that your life looks like that? Because I promise you, if you'll do that, you'll be amazed at what will happen to your level of worry. Here's the second thing Jesus says. Focus on living today. Listen to how Jesus wraps this, uh, this whole section up. Right? You can't serve two masters. If you're divided, it's not going to work. Your priorities are reversed. Your priorities are divided. You're more important than birds and flowers. God knows everything you need anyways. So in light of all of that, pursue me first. I'll provide everything you need. And then he says this. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. When you're committed to your own kingdom, you can't help but worry about tomorrow. Jesus says these are the thoughts that dominate the minds of unbelievers because they have to worry about tomorrow because if I don't, it won't. But when you are trusting in your heavenly Father, you just can live today. You don't have to be consumed with tomorrow. You get to live today. You release your grip on your kingdom in pursuit of what God is doing in the world and you're released from worrying about tomorrow because you've done everything you can to partner with what God is up to in the world today. And, and then you leave the rest in his hands. And the God who loves you more than the birds of the air, more than the flowers of the field, and promises that he already knows what you need, will take care of you. So live one day at a time. And then thirdly, trust God with what you cannot control. Ultimately, and I realize this is the, the sort of cliche Christian, like, okay, yep, I knew that was coming, preacher. That's the answer, right? Just trust God with what you can't control. But ultimately, it, here's the reality. If you do everything that you can do to surrender your life to God, to live one day at a time, there are still going to be things that you worry about. And there are still going to be things that you cannot control. And ultimately, all that you can do is surrender those circumstances to God's hands. It's critical to understand that God never promised certainty. You're like, well, I was reading the Christianity brochure and I thought everything's supposed to work out. Sorry, that was a misprint. <laughs> See, it's, Jesus never promises uncertainty. He never promises certainty, but what he, what he does promise is peace through worrisome and uncertain times. And so years later, a guy named Paul is uh, traveling. He's starting churches all around the Mediterranean Sea. He eventually travels to Rome. He has plans to travel to Spain. He wants to take this message of Jesus and his way of living life all around the world. 
And at a certain point, he's started some churches. He started a church in a place called Philippi. And he's now in prison, and he's writing to this group of people who are living in Philippi. And he's, he's started this church, and they're doing their best to follow the ways of Jesus. And he takes this message of Jesus from chapter 6 of Matthew, this, this sermon that Jesus gives to this crowd. And now he's sort of giving it back to them in a way that they can understand it. And here's what he writes about worry. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then, there's an order to this. You pray first, you give it to God, you put it in his hands. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Notice he doesn't say, and then God will make your situation better. He does not say, insert prayer, receive blessing, like God's some kind of cosmic vending machine. He says, look, you're going to experience God's peace. And honestly, he says, it's not even going to make that much sense. Because people are going to look at your situation, and then they're going to look at your response and how peaceful you are in the midst of whatever it is that you're going through, and they're going to go, how? That doesn't make sense. I don't even understand how you can experience that kind of peace when I see what's going on in your life, all the turmoil. You should be worried, and you're like, yeah, I know, right? It's crazy. Well, uh, that doesn't make sense to me. I know, me either. But you know what? I... It's out of my control, and I don't gain anything from worrying about it. So I told God about it, and I put it in his hands. And nothing changed in my situation, but everything changed in here. Paul says it's the peace that is beyond our ability to understand. And that peace will guard our hearts and minds. So let's summarize this. You will always experience uncertainty in every arena of life, and you can choose to worry about it, and you can choose your life to doing, uh, devote your life to trying to control it, which you will never be able to do. Or you can devote your life to a God who loves you and cares about you and knows everything you need and promises to take care of you and knows that he'll provide for you more than the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. And if I'm being honest with you, I probably need this talk more than anybody today. Because when you're speaking from your weaknesses, you never run out of material. And there's a lot of things over the last 18 months that I've been worried about. And I need to hear this. I've spent way too much time worrying about things that are out of my control and pouring energy into building my kingdom. And I want the kind of peace that doesn't make sense when you look at the outside circumstances. Ultimately, I want to trust in a God who promises to love me and provide for me and has already sent his son into the world to have relationship with me. And he wants to have relationship with you. So if, if you've spent your life trying to control your life so that you would never have to worry about life, I wonder what it would look like if you actually surrendered control of your life to the one who created you and the one who loves you. And if you'd like to do that today, you can do that right where you sit, watching online. Uh, you can do that, in, that in, with just agreeing with the prayer that we're going to pray in just a minute. For the rest of us, maybe you're already a follower of Jesus, and, and you would say this, you know, I'm devoted to Jesus, but I'm equally devoted to some other things. And it isn't an issue of capacity, it's an issue of priority. And I want to I redevote my life and seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness and his way of living, and then all of these things that I worry about will be added. That God knows what I need and he'll take care of those things. And I wonder, what would it look like for you to make that shift in your life, to say, God, you're one of many things that I'm devoted to, 
But starting today, you're going to be the thing that I'm devoted to the most. I want you to take priority. And if that's where you're at, then let's reflect this week. What would that look like? What shifts do I need to make in my life so that this isn't just good information or inspiration, but that I can take it out and actually apply it this week? And if you want to follow Jesus, if, if you're hearing this and you'd say, man, I want to surrender my life to the one who created me and loves me, then pray this prayer with us as we close. God, please forgive my sins. Forgive me for the times that I have walked away from you, and I thank you that you've never walked away from me. And I want to surrender my life to you. Make me your son. Make me your daughter. I recognize you created me in your image. You sent your son into this world to have a relationship with me, and I want to, I, I trust that you're a loving and caring and kind Heavenly Father who your way of living life is the best way to live. So help me to surrender my life to you starting from this moment on as best as I know how. And God, I pray for every one of us who are doing our best to follow you, but we find ourselves, our devotion to you as our primary concern being drowned out by all of these other concerns and worries in life. And it's not that we don't love you, it's just that you've become one of many things that we're devoted to. And I pray, may our primary devotion shift to you and to your kingdom. And may we, as a result, experience the peace that is beyond our ability to understand. We thank you and we pray this in your name. Amen.